Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I am Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I am so happy that you are here today because I am convinced that God's word is able to do what it says it can do in your life. It will empower you to do the things he's called you to do. And very importantly, it will transform you into the person that Christ has called you to be. And that is the mature man, woman in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. So we're going to go to work today in God's word and it will work in us. Hallelujah. Now today, let's take our Bibles and go to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. We're going to receive the tithes and the offerings and I want to share some insights into God's plan for your increase, the increasing of your assets. Verse 11, wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished. So we're going to stay away from any form of dishonest gain. But he who gathers by labor will increase. He who gathers by labor will increase. Now, I was really sensing in my spirit that God has on his heart to increase your asset portfolio. Now, somebody might be thinking, Pastor Stephen, the only portfolio I've got is the, the, the photo portfolio of old pictures. <laughs> I'm talking about your financial portfolio. God's going to give you assets. Praise the Lord. Now, let me give you an example. The Catholic Church owns, now think about what I'm about to state to you. The Catholic Church owns 177 million acres of land. I think I need to restate that. Some of you are, maybe that, that sometimes these numbers, you know, we hear big numbers, sometimes we just go out the window. But stop and think about this. The Catholic Church owns, not, not in debt, owns debt-free. No mortgage, no debt. The Catholic Church owns 177 million acres of land. They are the largest non-governmental landowner in the world. You do need to understand that land, my friends, is an asset. It's the first gift he gave to Adam. Mm-mm. God wants you to have in form of ownership, real tangible assets. Can you say yes? Now, again, the scripture says he who gathers by labor will increase. If you read literal translations of the Bible, you'll actually see that it actually says in the Hebrew, he who gathers little by little through the act of labor. And it's in other words, uh, think of a farmer. He's, he's laboring. But back in those days, he had no machines. They had no advanced systems, no robotic systems, no computers, none of that. So the gathering in many ways was little by little because it had to be done by hand. But even still, he, he who gathers by labor, even if it's hand to hand, as it was back then, will increase. Now, 
you do have to admit that the Catholic Church has been around for quite some time, uh, at least over 1,600 years. Some, of course, would say for 2,000 years that Peter was the first pope and so forth. I'm not here to, uh, you know, try to sort all of that out. But I'm saying you can see how little by little over the centuries, a monastery here, land over here, another monastery over here. And today it's not just monasteries with, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a convent or a monastic center on it. We're talking today hospitals and all types of other things. I'm not sure if you knew this, but the Catholic Church even owns or the Vatican owns their own very advanced state-of-the-art telescope observatory on a mountain in Tucson, Arizona. And you might wonder, or Pastor Stephen, what does, what, does, uh, what does the church need a telescope for? I don't know. Maybe, maybe you want to get one just to study God's creation. Praise the Lord. Get one up. Put it out. Look at it. And, of course, if you want to look at it properly, you've got to get out in the middle of nowhere where there's no light pollution and uh, up as high as possible, and they bought them a telescope. Praise the Lord. You know, uh, these are real assets. Assets. People want to go up the mountain and look through the telescope. Uh, I'm telling you, there, there, there's land that there are assets. There's, there's art treasures that God can bring into your life as an asset. How many of you have heard of the Sistine Chapel <laughs> owned by the Catholic Church with these amazing paintings by Michelangelo, particularly the ones on the ceiling? And you know what that is? You know what all of that is? It's a gigantic Money maker for hundreds of years. People go there to look. Yes, and you have to buy your ticket to get in. <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, God, He wants to bring assets into your life, mm -hmm. and God will increase you. He will increase you in the area of assets. Praise God. Now, what we're going to do, May 21 through the 23rd, we're going to celebrate Pentecost. And we're going to bring in during that time frame, May 21 through 23rd, 23rd being Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, we're going to bring in our very best offering to the Lord, a pure gold Pentecostal offering. This offering is designated for the television outreach of pure gold uh, programming. It's, it's actually called uh, Pure Gold with Pastor Stephen. And this is the television outreach of the ministry, which is the largest, furthest reaching outreach of the ministry. And you're giving your pure gold Pentecostal offering will go towards that. And the Holy Spirit showed me a vision that those who will sow into this Pentecostal offering, the golden oil of prosperity will touch your seed and will bring harvest into your life of prosperity. And I'm, I'm assured in my heart that many of you are going to increase in Assets. Yes, I know you'll tithe on it. I know you'll sow another seed because you have a giving heart. But my friends, I see assets uh, getting larger in your life. Now, Pastor Stephen, we just need to get rid of everything. Jesus is coming back. Just unload everything. I'm here today to tell you I think you're going to be around longer than what perhaps you're thinking. And even should Jesus come and interrupt that, hallelujah, goodbye, we're out of here. Who's going to complain about that? But my friends, you need to have a longer term vision because God wants you to have assets in your life. And I see that as you're gathering by labor, even if it's little by little, and you see that half acre lot 
over there on the subdivision that nobody's bought. And it's just sitting there and you think, you know what, I've got enough money to buy that for cash. Uh, I, I know many of you watch from different parts of the world and even different parts of America. But, you know, out in California, if you want to buy a half acre Southern California, you're looking at minimum $500,000. That's, that's with no house on it. That's just raw little piece of land. But out here, particularly in North Carolina, <laughs> I mean, there, there are lots. One acre you can buy for, I mean, if it's out in the mountains, you can buy it for $2,000. If it's in town, I've, you know, there's, there's some available for $8,000. So it's not like you have to get a 30-year mortgage on some of this, maybe you just see a lot and you think, you know what, I think I'll buy that just for the purpose of increasing in assets. And then there's other properties God can help you with and other types of things God can bless you with. Praise the Lord. I tell you, I bought a lot one time on the golf course and it was the last lot that was there, but nobody bought it because it was covered with trees. And what had happened is anytime the local guys were mow people's lawns, you know, all these lawn, lawn mowing companies, they would cut their grass, you know, the, uh, uh, the big lawn mowers, they suck the grass up and they, it all goes into a big chute. Well, the lawn mowing people would take the grass and they would throw it onto that lot <laughs> and for, for years and years and years, just people had thrown their grass over on that lot. So the lot didn't look good Had trees all over it and a vine growing all over the place and grass mulch thrown all over the place. But I could see through all of that and I could see, wait a minute, if I get, if I buy this and get it cleared, it's going to be really pretty. And that's exactly what I did. And I offered, um, to the owner, uh, a purchase amount if he would do owner financing for me, cause I couldn't buy the whole thing. And it's very hard to get lending on raw land. Banks don't lend on land. And so, uh, he, he said, yes. And I gave him a down payment and then I made payments till I paid the whole thing off. And at the same time, as soon as I bought it, I started getting it cleared and suddenly people could see what it was. <laughs> and it was, it was so, so beautiful when I was done with it and had it, had it all cleared off. And people were just like, I can't believe that there were people were saying, I can't believe that lot was right there. And developers were like, you know, Oh, we should have bought that lot. Wow. But it was too late. I got it. It's a beautiful asset. Now, eventually I sold it. Hallelujah. Somebody, the, the man that bought it for me built an absolutely beautiful home there. It's one of the most prettiest homes on the golf course. So I'm just saying God can help you grab assets, grab assets. And even if you sell one, well, you know, grab another one. Praise the Lord. Mm, mm, mm. Look, if the Catholic church can have 177 million acres, you can probably get an acre here or there somewhere too. Praise the Lord. You don't, praise the Lord. You don't, you don't need 2000 years to do it. <laughs> Woo. Glory to God. Mm -hmm. By the way, of course, when you uh, do go to Israel and you see so many of the holy sites, you'll realize, Hey, somebody owns those. Yep. It's usually the Catholic church. Now you'll have the, uh, the Orthodox Church, some of the Armenian churches and so forth, they, they own some of the beautiful sites too, but the majority of them are owned by the Catholic Church who had the wisdom and foresight to see these are holy places that people will come to. We should own these, and that was a really wise move. Assets, assets. God wants to build your asset base. Woo, praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Now, the ministry is expanding. We have just signed a contract with the PTL network. 
Jim and Lori Baker, we are so happy to be going on the PTL Network. The program, Pure Gold, will be every Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. to 2 o'clock, and that's Eastern Time. And that will begin to launch in about two weeks. So, my friends, your tithes keep moving the ministry forward, and your special gifts towards these special projects, such as the Pentecostal Pure Gold Offering, help us to continue the global outreach through television, where we are now speaking to a global footprint of over 1.1 billion souls. And there's a lot of people that are watching. Praise God. So thank you for your giving. Now let's honor the Lord. Let's bring the tithes into the storehouse. As you do be thinking asset increase, asset increase, have a long-term vision. Praise the Lord. Should the Lord come back this year, tonight, tomorrow, uh, praise the Lord. We're gone. Hallelujah. We're, we're in heaven on streets of gold. So, you know, it's a wrap, at least for us, things will continue down here to play out and so forth. But I, I have a feeling that we're going to, I wouldn't even call it a feeling. I just have a belief because I've read the scriptures that I see verses that have not yet been fulfilled. I see statements out of the Lord's own mouth that I don't see them fulfilled yet. And so I don't see the catching up of the saints as mentioned by the apostle Paul, which will happen. I don't see us there yet. So you need to continue forward with a, uh, affirmative plan with a plan of action. Amen. Where the Lord is glorified, where your finances are strengthened. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's why you want him to bless you because you're going to be here for a while. So just let him bless you while you're here. Now, thank you for your tithes, honoring the Lord with that. Thank you for your pure gold seed. Bring those in, get those in ready. We're, we're going to bring them in mainly through the 21st through 23rd, but if you need to mail it early, that's fine as well. Now, though, for those of you that are honoring the Lord right now with your giving, you can mail in your tithes, your special offering to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28654. If you want to bring your tithes and your special offering in online, please go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link there on the homepage. It says give as a red heart on it. You can click that and it will take you right to the giving page. You can click to give your tithes and, or you could uh, click here to give your pure gold Pentecostal offering, but just hit that giving or that give heart and it'll take you right to it. Father bless your people as the golden oil of prosperity touches them as they're going to sow. Lord, I just thank you that they're going to have the ability to increase their assets and they're going to have, they're going to have multiple assets. They will have a portfolio of assets woo, that are worth some nice values. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. We thank you that you are moving in our finances and in our lives in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be nice to own some land in the Holy land of Israel? Mm -mm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. God, you have to get out of the box. Let your mind think. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. You'd be shocked at how many houses there are in uh, certain areas like Tel Aviv or Jerusalem. Nobody even lives there. Uh, sometimes investors just buy them. They don't even use them. Then they, they buy like 30 or 40 or 50 houses they, or, or real nice condominiums. And they're all, they're fully stocked, fully furnished. Nobody even lives there. 
I mean, there's, there's deals to be had. <laughs> Woo, glory, praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. That somebody, that really caught your heart. You need to pray about that. Speaking of Israel, we are now open for registration for our 2022 Israel tour. The dates are May 16th through the 26th, and you can secure your registration with a $300 deposit. Please go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There on the front slider of the website, you'll see the Israel tour. Just click on it. And uh, I'm telling you, it's going to be a tremendous, tremendous time. Go, go and look at the sites that we're going to. Woo, it's exciting. Praise God. I hope to see you on our tour to Israel in May of 2022. Praise God. Father, bless your people. Thank you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you for their giving. Bless them richly in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Now, let's take our Bibles today and go over the Psalm 16, I want to discuss today a theology of joy. I thought about teaching on a a theology of depression, but I figured it would discourage too many people. So (laughs) I'm just playing around on that one. We're going to have a theology of joy study. Mm -mm. Nobody wants to study about the devil's old junk. We want to study about God's good stuff and get blessed. Hallelujah. So we're going to start today in Psalm 16. Please meet me over there. And as you're going to Psalm 16, and we're going to be talking today about a theology of joy, it is important to understand that one out of every four Americans suffers from depression. Wow. Think about that. One out of every four Americans suffers from depression. Today I'm teaching on a theology of joy. Get ready to get happy today. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we thank you that the entrance of your word, the understanding of your word brings light, illumination, and understanding. So we don't have to be in darkness. We don't have to be in depression, and we're not going to be. Father, thank you for your goodness, your liberation, and your freedom and the anointing of your spirit writing on the word of the Lord today to set anybody free that would struggle with depression. Now, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. We agree and say amen. Psalm 16, let's go right to that classic verse, verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Now, you're always going to have disturbing things in the world until Jesus comes back and rules and reigns over the world from Jerusalem, which will be the global headquarters of his kingly operation until he sets that up. And until we get into that, that dispensation, we're going to have things in, in this world that are difficult. Uh, some things you pass through, you know, we had world war one, then we had world war two, which in many ways, you know, just touches and affects the whole world. And even today, you know, we have things flare up here, there, different places. We have things in America, uh, tensions and uh, the various things that we go through uh, or, uh, even other things that could trouble your spirit or could cause, you know, somebody to become depressed from a natural perspective. Maybe you just live somewhere where the sun doesn't shine 
very much. And there are certain countries where there are uh, clinical labels for what can happen to people that just hardly ever see the sun come out. And it could lead to uh, certain diagnosed types of depression, uh, particularly if it's just like raining all the time and it's gloomy all the time and cold all the time. <laughs> Hello, London. Praise the Lord. Uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's a beautiful city when the sun's out. But I tell you what, it can get into that mode where it's rainy and wet and cloudy. And, you know, you just you just would hope for some sunshine to come out. I I did see one certain area of land. Uh, it's actually a piece of land that I've thought about buying for the ministry. But as one man uh, who lived there said, you know what? He loved being there, but he could only stay. He only stayed there. I think at the longest he said he stayed there was maybe like 20 something days because he said the sun just never comes out. <laughs> and I, you know, I thought, you know what? That's probably not something I should buy. And Kelly said, no, Stephen, it's too rainy and cold and drizzly. I, I said, yeah, probably wouldn't be a good place to buy. Praise the Lord. Now, it, it, it would be isolated. You could certainly have some good prayer times, but how many of you like some sunshine? Mm -hmm. I know I do. Praise God. And of course, you also, to a certain degree, need that with vitamin K and all of these other things. Now, uh, there is the element of understanding that although there can be negative things that could discourage or depress, yet, there is the joy of the Lord. Now, joy is the natural outcome of fellowship with God. I want to say that again. Joy is the natural outcome of fellowship with God. Joy touches our deepest spring of emotion, and it includes the feelings of exultant gladness, which often find an outward expression in such, in such actions as leaping, Shouting and singing, mm, glory to God. That's the manifestation of God's joy bubbling up in your spirit. Praise the Lord. Now, of course, when we talk about uh, being in God's presence and the joy that, that is associated and released by being in the presence of the Lord, you have to understand that this is not just talking about your prayer time. And that's what a lot of Christians compartmentalize this thing of the presence of the Lord and that joy, they think, oh, all of that comes out of your prayer life. And of course, in your devotional time, in, in time of prayer, yeah, sure, you're going to have those encounters of the Lord's presence and that refreshing and all of that joy. But please don't, don't confine that to your devotional life or your, your secret place, your secret time with the Lord. This my friends, is really for what I would call or what Scripture would even define as the path of life. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. So this is the path. This is the, the Christian walk. This is a 24-7 uh, type experience that God has designed for us to live in. Now, if you're not experiencing joy, then you are not in the center of of that path of life. And trust me, the enemy, he's, he's very um, strategic, uh, very uh, cunning in trying to do things to detour us off of that path, which would take us away from that joy and to distract us. But my friends, we're going to stay on the path of life, which is Christ himself. And we're going to stay on the center of that path path. But this is not just for, again, for prayer. This is for your daily life, even your work life, I would say. 
Now, back in the 1600s, there was a monk named Brother Lawrence. He's actually a very famous today. It is possible. It is possible to have these experiences with Lord, with the Lord, and you write it out, certain revelations and certain truths that are so rich that when they are written and recorded, others from other generations read those writings, and they, it still has the same freshness and blessing. And what Brother Lawrence wrote back in the 1600s is contained in a little book called, which many of you have heard of, The Practice of the Presence of God. Trust me, when thousands today are still reading a 400-year-old book, it's good. And it is, it's a really, really good book. If you don't have it in your personal library, I would suggest that you add it. Praise God. Now, Brother Lawrence was a friar. He was a monk. He primarily just simply worked in the kitchen. He was the cook. And after everybody ate and he'd cooked all the food, he has to wash the pots and the pans. So he worked mainly in the kitchen. After a while, he had some, uh, some health issues. It seemed like what we would call modern-day uh, modern arthritis, and that held him back from all of the kitchen work. Uh, and he moved over to a job there in the monastery of primarily preparing uh, and, uh, and repairing sandals. So the thing was is that even when he was working in the kitchen, you have to understand that uh, although he's in a monastery, this is not like a real quiet kitchen. He said there was talking all the time in the kitchen, uh, uh, pressure demands to get this ready and get that ready and stuff like that. But even with all of that going on and, uh, you know, and, and the demands that were placed upon him in his career field, in his workplace, he learned how to practice the presence of God. Praise God. He learned how to just keep that all day long. Now, he became known as a man who had the most outstanding atmosphere around him of peace. And people said the peace that was on this man was, was real thick. He had a, just um, that if you talked with him or came into contact with him and began to discuss things, that heavy peace of God that was on him would start to get on you too. And so it, it wasn't long uh, that although he was a simple monk friar, it wasn't long before he had royalty coming to seek counsel from him. He had theologians with high degrees coming to seek his counsel because he had learned how to stay in that presence. And because he was in that presence, not just in his prayer life, which he had that, but in his work life, putting together sandals, washing pots and pans, that presence was so strong, and along with it was a continual joy. Look, we are believers. We don't need to go around looking like we've been eating lizards. We don't need to go around looking like, you know, we, we just drink, you know, uh, acid or, or pickle juice. We need to be people that have that joy mm, of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, one of his teachings from the book, The Practices of the Presence of God, was that we are to purposely invite God into even the smallest things that we do each day. And he talked about that, whether it's sweeping, whether it's 
cooking beans, or whether it's uh, sewing together a sandal, just invite the Lord's presence into that. And he said, when you start thinking like that, that presence will come, not just in your prayer closet, but it'll come with you, and that presence will stay with you, and you can maintain that. Praise God. Now, let us go to Psalm 4, and I want to show you the very source of joy itself. You know, I was walking back in the Carolina mountains one time, uh, real close by with a friend, and we, we found this mountain artesian spring just flowing. And my friend said, Stephen, let's try to trace, trace it back to the headwaters. And we did. And we found the most amazing thing. Um, this, this stream was not a tributary from a creek or from a river or something like that. This was coming from an artesian spring that had come up out of the ground by a rock and the water was shooting out of the side of the rock sideways and then it would land and hit the ground and then begin to go down the side of the mountain and eventually into this, you know, turned into this beautiful mountain stream. Wow. Praise the Lord. What an absolutely beautiful and pure and clean and clean source of water. I want to tell you the source of joy, the headwaters of where the joy is coming from so that you can tie into it. Psalm four, let's go to verse seven. It says, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and new wine abound. So you can have people from a natural perspective that are happy because things are going well. Maybe they had a good grain harvest. Maybe they had uh, a good grape harvest. Maybe they had a good financial year. Or maybe, you know, they bought a new house and they're happy. And all that stuff is good. But he said, the psalmist said, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and new wine abound. The joy of the Lord is stronger than even good circumstances. And the joy of the Lord is stronger than bad weather, even if, it, if you walk outside and it's rainy and uh, it looks like just a blah day, uh, the joy of the Lord overrides all of that. And you're just like, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the rain. I, I, guess, I guess the earth needs it. Praise the Lord. Lord, it is what it is. I praise you. Hallelujah. I actually walked into work one day. Now, remember, I wasn't born behind a pulpit. I worked in life, and uh, you know, eventually the Lord called me in the ministry. But wh while that calling was being developed, I kept studying and preparing and at the same time working. And I walked into my work one day at a corporate company that I worked for. And one day, I had been in the presence of the Lord before I went to work, and I had been in the Word. And I walked in, not really realizing my uh, mode or mood that I was in. And when I walked in, the, um, the right-hand manager, the associate manager underneath the senior manager, he looked at me and he stopped me and he said, Stephen, he said, stop it, stop it. Stop it. You're not supposed to be so joyful. You're supposed to be miserable like the rest of us are here. <laughs> <laughs> and he said it real loud, too. <laughs> Woo! See, I had been spending time with the source of joy himself. And so it's flowing out of him into me. I'd been in the river of joy. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. And I didn't take the manager's advice. I decided to stay joyful. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So God is the source of joy, and he can give it thick. Woo! 
Woo, praise God. Let him give it to you today. Let's go to Psalm 27. Psalm 27, verse 6. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. I prophesy that to you today, that God's going to lift your head up above your enemies, the enemies of depression, the enemies of discouragement, the enemies of hormonal imbalance, the enemies of a foggy brain, the enemies of bills that don't seem to go away, the enemies of uh, difficulties of life that would seem to harass you. God is lifting your head above all of that today. He's lifting you above it all today. Therefore, the psalmist says, in other words, because of that, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. Now, in the Hebrew, the phrase sacrifices of joy denotes in the Hebrew, a bold expression of joy. See, the sacrifice of joy is denoted as a bold expression of joy that is often expressed through jubilant shouting. Shouting, praise God. Now, there's a time not to shout, such as when everybody's asleep. But there is, a, there is a time to shout when that joy hits you and God's lifting you up above your enemies. There is a triumphant, exultant shout that says, yes, mm, hallelujah, praise God. And you just shout. That is the sacrifice of praise. That's actually the literal Hebrew meaning of that. It means it is a bold joy that is released through a shout. And I believe that you should do it by faith because I believe that God is lifting you right now above all of your enemies. And you need to shout by faith in joy in advance for this great and mighty deliverance. I see all of your bills paid. I see all of your needs met. I see your debts getting knocked out, knocked out, knocked out until they're all all gone. Hallelujah. I see the enemies of sickness and disease being driven, driven, driven out of your body. And I see long life, long life for you. Praise God. Can you shout amen today and give him that shout of joy. Mm -mm. There's something about it. When the enemies it begins to turn and what they thought where well, they had you and they had the victory and suddenly it turns and you're lifted up above them. They get afraid and that shout sends terror through their camp. Now let's go to the book of Esther and I'll show this to you in Esther chapter eight. And I really do believe that the winds of change are going to blow in our nation. As we're going to jump into Esther chapter 8, you have to understand that Haman has just been hung. Oh, he was so certain that he was going to be able to exterminate the Jews throughout the kingdom of Persia. He was so delighted. He was smacking his lips. He was happy to create genocide. He wanted to have his name go down in history as the one that exterminated the Jews. But you know what? God turned it and the winds suddenly shifted. And now he has been hung on the gallows and fear begins to go throughout this massive kingdom that's under the King's control. And they begin to realize that the Jews who it looked like they're finished. Now God is lifting them up and God is lifting you up as a child of God. And I'm telling you the winds of change are going to blow. And I believe 
I believe there's going to be a blowback here in America. There's going to be a pushback against policies of insanity, against fear tactics and, and fear mongering and um, all of this garbage that has been pushed upon the church of uh, arresting pastors and things like that. I'm telling you, it's going to turn. It's going to turn. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Now, I want to share a few more things along that line, but let's go a little bit further with this. So, uh, verse 15. So Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white. Remember, Haman's now dead. Mm -mm. Mordecai is being lifted up just like you are, just like the church is. So Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white. Don't you know he looked nice? You know the devil, he wants you all tore up from the floor up. He wants you messed up looking, stressed out looking, hair all frazzled. You know, he wants you looking all defeated. He wants to see man, or which I'm talking about mankind, I'm, I'm including women too, who is made in the image of God. He wants to see you misrepresent that image. He wants you all stressed out, all haggard looking and stuff like that. No, 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 no. Don't do that. No, no. Have the dignity of Christ in you. You are his ambassador. Praise the Lord. And Mordecai, he's putting on the show. Hallelujah. Got the blue and the white royal apparel. Mm -mm. Don't go through life looking like an old hobo. Praise God. Have some dignity as a child of God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now he had a great crown of gold, not a little old bitty rinky dinky thing, a great crown of gold and a garment a fine linen and purple. And back then in those days, of course, purple was ultra exotic. Hardly anybody had it except for the Kings because only the ultra wealthy could afford it. And the city of Shushan rejoiced. Woo. Hallelujah. And was glad. Yeah, they better rejoice. They better be glad because heads are going to roll because the winds of change have blown. <laughs> and now the winds are for the Jews and God is moving. Mm -mm. Woo. Hallelujah. The Jews had light and gladness, joy, and honor. See, now uh, they have gladness and joy. Before, they were under the gun, and it did not look good, but it has all turned. You know the dirty devil would like to lock up all the pastors, all the preachers in America, and he'd like to take the church and just shut the church up, and let all the pedophiles and all the perverts and all those that want to kill babies run the country and uh, destroy the nation. But you know what? God has a covenant with this nation made with the original founding fathers of this nation based upon religious freedom, Christian freedom to worship God, and God will never, ever forget that. Hallelujah. So the best is, bet is yet to come for this nation, and this nation will survive and get through all of the... Um, uh, all of the stuff that the enemy has spewed upon it. Praise God. Verse 17, and in every province and city, wherever the king's command and decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a holiday. Then many of the people of the land became Jews because fear of the Jews fell upon them all. Mm -mm, can you imagine that? Just a few weeks earlier, everybody was against them. And now, and now, uh oh, don't touch them. <laughs> Ooh, I, hey, brother, I was with you all the time. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But anyhow, it's turned. It's turned, praise to God, it, in a major way. God's not done with America. Praise the Lord. And let me say this God certainly 
isn't done with you. Your lifting up time is here. It's your time to shine. Mm -hmm. Now, we see in verse 16 and verse 17, two different words, gladness and joy. They are both used. Now, let's do a little uh, separating of these, of these two words. The word gladness in Hebrew is the word simha, and it basically means happy pleasure. It means you're, you're like having fun now. There's pleasure that's been restored, and you're happy. But joy is deeper, and joy is the word sason. It almost sounds like a French word, sason, and it means rejoicing. And uh, this is a deeper type of happiness and joy. This is more than gladness. This is that deep rooted joy. And it, it, it means rejoicing. And it can often just, you just get so touched by it. You jump or shout and spin. Woo. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, I really do believe that just as things turned for the Jewish people in Persia, and things turned for the psalmist who was lifted up above his enemies. And as uh, Hamas and all of these uh, evil entities have come against Israel seeking her destruction. And there are many around the world that sit back and say, oh, we would love to see it. No, God's people, the church and Israel will overcome and will continue to get past these trials and move forward. Praise God. And the end is not now. The end is not now. Let me, let me remind uh, many of you that Bob Jones, the prophet of the Lord who went home to be with the Lord some years back, he, he recorded what became known as the 100 year prophecy. And he was able to identify the prophetic movement of the spirit through the fifties, through the sixties, through the seventies. He saw what the decade of the eighties would be the nineties. And he's calling it all right before it ever, before we ever got into each one of those decades. And he called what the decade of the twenties would be. And I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to what the decade of the 2030s, 2030s will be because he said what it will be. And let me just go ahead and read that to you because I think you will find it quite interesting in the season in which we now live. Praise the Lord. Now, this is what the prophet Bob Jones said the decade of the 2030s will be. He said the 2030s will reveal the family of God. There will be such a unity that if you pick on one, you pick on all. And intercession, where if you are picking on one, intercessors immediately all over will come right in. Why? Because we are now in more of a family unity. And that's what the church will come into. Because right now, it's like if a pastor stands up uh, and, and stands for truth and gets thrown in the prison, all the other pastors you know, jump back and uh, get all afraid and uh, cancel everything and, uh, and stuff like that. But just stop and think when everybody stands together. It says, hey, hold on a minute. You're not throwing him in jail. We're all showing up. We're not putting up with this. It reminds me of some decades back when uh, uh, Dr. Paul Youngy Cho was going to hold a certain, uh, I believe it was like a parade there in Seoul, Korea, and the authorities said, no, you're not doing that. You're not doing a Christian march, because there were many old school people that still thought this is a Buddhist nation, and it will always be a Buddhist nation, but so many people were getting saved. The church was growing so fast. 
And Dr. Cho uh, said, well, hold on a minute. Now, if all of you others can do your marches, we can do our march too. If you're going to have the Buddhist march, we can have the, the march for Jesus. And so he said, we're marching. And they said, we'll arrest you and all your people. He said, well, try it. There's 800,000 of us. Because we're all showing up. And you know what? The authorities said, you know, he's right. That there's 800,000 of them, and there's only a few of us. So let them have their march. Let them do their thing. And they did. Amen. That's what the, the church more in America, and I see also coming around the world, will come into a, a much stronger unity where you pick on one. And it doesn't matter if it's a different denomination, whatever. If that's my brother or sister in the Lord, you pick it on them. We're all standing up. We'll all come against you. Praise God. Because we, we don't have that right now. You have this scattering. You have this cowardly thing out there that refuses to be identified with anything that could maybe, you know, whatever. You know how the, the, we're playing all these games right now with the, all this uh, social baloney. But my friends, I'm here to tell you that it's going to change. It's going to change. And we're not done yet. Matter of fact, Bob Jones prophesied what the 2040s will be. He even prophesied what the 2050s will be. And he says, I saw up to the 2060s and the church here was not beat down. It was walking in the glory of God. It had the power of God on it. And of course, you can Google this Bob Jones 100 year prophecy. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you need to get happy. You need to be full of joy because God is moving. And if you'll believe him, he'll start moving in your life and they'll start blasting all of that discouragement and depression away. All the circumstances would say, oh, it's going to be so bad. No, no, the winds of change are going to blow and there will come favor upon the church. There will come favor upon your life. It is time for your lifting up. It is time for your time to shine. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I won't even be here by then. I'll be six feet under or something like that. No, no. Let me say this right now. This is not your year to die. Oh, Pastor Stephen, you never know with COVID or something like that. Well, if you have faith in God and you know your authority in Jesus, you will live out your life to the fullest. And you probably should pray about that too, because that could release a lot of joy in your life because God's original standard, the church is starting to wake back up to that again. What is that, Pastor Stephen? Uh, I know what it is. It's 70 or 80 years, and if we're doing real, real good, maybe we'll make it into our 80s. Mm. We're going to get that back to the original standard also. Praise the Lord. That, that revelation is being reintroduced to the body of Christ. It was, it's been like a lost truth, but it's getting restored, just as many things are being restored back into the church and it's going to take a little time for it to get reestablished. But watch, give it time. It'll come right back in and it will get reestablished in the church as well. Well, let me, uh, let me show you a few things regarding that. Um, let me take you to Psalm 90. Psalm 90, verse 7. Now, this is a psalm by Moses. It is a prayer. Verse 7, for we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath. We are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you. We have set our, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. All our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. Woo. Now, this is in reference to the Israelites plodding through the wilderness, not living out their fullness of life 
because of the mess they found themselves in because of doubt and unbelief and rebellion against God and his plan for their life. Now verse 10, the days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength, they are 80 years. See there, Pastor Stephen, he said, we're all going to die by the time we're 70 or 80. It's all going to be over with. Pastor Stephen would be good if we just got a 70. We'd be doing good. Did you ever notice that the man that wrote that? Let me read it again. The days of our lives are 70 years. And by, if by reason of strength, they're 80 years. Did you ever notice the man that wrote that didn't die at 70? Didn't die at 80? Didn't die at 89. Do you know how long he lived to be the man that wrote that? He lived to be 120. God's original plan. How about that? He's referring to those that were rebellious, those that were not walking in right relationship with God, those that were not using their faith, and they all died prematurely out in the wilderness. But not the man that wrote that. He lived to be 120. And that was Moses. And we know that because it says so in the Bible in Deuteronomy, it talks about uh, the, the death of Moses and how he lived his fullness to 120. That, of course, would be Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 7. But just to get a little more joy flowing in you, because you're going to be here for a while, and you're going to start to fly and get happy. Mm-hmm. Let me just show you God's original plan for you. And before I show it to you, let me remind you of something that's known to biblical students of the word as the law of first mention. In other words, there, anytime God mentions something for the very unique first time, it runs consistently throughout the scriptures and it sets a pattern for everything that follows it. So there is a consistency, everything branching off the first time something is mentioned. And so I would just like to show you right now God's plan for your life span. And it is found in the book of Genesis. And let's go there. Genesis chapter six, verse three. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. 120 years, praise the Lord. No need to be afraid of that 30-year mortgage. Hallelujah. You're going to get it paid off early anyhow by God's help. You're going to be debt-free. Well, Pastor Stephen, I get that thing paid off. I'll probably, probably be ready to die. No, you're going to have plenty of time to live. That's the way you can enjoy it. Praise the Lord. God doesn't want you to work all your life, and by the time you're an old codger, now you've finally got a little freedom, and then you die. Nope. God wants you to enjoy yourself. Praise the Lord. Can you say Amen. Pastor Stephen, nobody lives that to be that old. Who told you that lie? Who told you that lie? Well, Pastor Stephen, I, I don't know about that. Well, let me just right now, since we're on this verse, read to you from Wikipedia. I'm not making this up. You can go there right now and look at it too. Let's just take a look right now at the 10 people on the planet right now, not that are dead, that are alive and breathing right now. Right now, that are right at this same time frame. It's not imaginary make-believe stuff. I'm not pulling stuff up from the 1600s. I'm not talking about the story from the 1800s of the Chinese man that lived to be 232 years old. Validated birth certificate and all that. We're not talking about that. At the age of 200, gave a lecture at the Beijing University. I'm not even getting into all that. Mm -mm. I'm talking about right now, people that are living and breathing on planet earth right now that are not dead, that are alive. Number one from Japan, Kane Tanaka, he's 118 years old and 132 days. 
How about that? He's 118. Oh, Pastor Stephen, don't nobody live that long. Yeah, you get on a plane right now, fly to Japan, you go see him. He's alive right now at 118 years old. He's alive right now. Your body is designed by God to live 120 years. It is designed by God, built by God to go 120 years. Now, you need to take care of it. And also God put those dietary laws in the Bible for a reason. There's, there's, I know there's a lot of types, shadows, and symbols in that, but there's also good health, nutritional wisdom that is to be gained by eating according to God's pattern. But I'm telling you, God designed your body to go 120 years. And Mr. Tanaka right now is 118. Woo! 100, 118 years old. He's alive. Oh, Pastor, that's ancient history. They only lived to be that old way back in the old Bible days. No, he's alive right now. He's alive right now. He's 118 years old. The devil's a liar. He's alive right now. Mm -mm. How about this lady, Lucille Randon in France? I tell you, France has had some long livers. Uh, uh, the la one lady in France, she passed away in 1997. She lived to be 122, I think. She was friends with that famous artist. What was his name? Painted all the uh, pastel. Uh, it'll come to me in just a moment. She was actually, they, they, were, they played around as friends when they were kids. Anyhow, uh, back to uh, Lucille. Lucille Randon right now is alive in France. She's alive right now. She is 117 years old and 92 days. How about that? Oh, Pastor Steve, nobody can live to be 120. Well, these people are right on the doorstep. They're right on the doorstep. How about some joy that God has blessing in your life? How about that? Let all your critics die off. <laughs> all your critics that don't believe God, that mock God's word, oh, just let them die off. You keep living. Let's go a little bit further. Number three, Francisca Santos, 116 years, 205 days from Brazil. Number four spot, Jean Bott from France. She's 116 years. Number five, Brazil again, Antonio de, uh, de Santa Cruz. He's 115. And uh, the next person from Poland is 114. The next person from the United States is Thelma Sutcliffe. Uh, this person, she is 114 years old and 225 days. You cannot even come close to getting on this list unless your credentials are extremely highly validated with a real birth certificate and heavy evidence to prove that you are actually this old. This is thoroughly heavily documented and researched. And we got somebody in America right now, 114 years old. The Miss Thelma, God bless you. Valentine Ligny from France. She's 114 years old. Um, another person in Japan, 114. And another person, Hama, Hama Yasukawa from Japan, 114 years old. By the way, Japan just loaded with people over 100, loaded with people over 110. Who have you been listening to that's telling you that you can't live a long life? Woo, praise God. Mm -mm. This is not your year to die. This is your year to take care of your temple and get the joy of the Lord mm -mm. and get a vision, get a plan, and stay on that path of life. Woo, praise God. And enjoy the Lord and all that he has for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Now, we are in, uh, still in. Let's jump back quickly to Esther. 
I'm just giving you some reasons to live, some reasons to break out of depression, some reasons to get into the joy of the Lord. Let it touch you. Let it get on you. Hallelujah. I declare your best days are ahead of you, not behind you. You've learned a lot. Hallelujah. You didn't get all that wisdom and accumulate all this knowledge just to flop, die. No, it's your time to now live in it and walk in it and enjoy the Lord. Mm -mm. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. In Esther 8 and in verse 16 and 17, we were looking at the word joy which in the Hebrew is the word sason. Now this word translated as joy also denoting a rejoicing and a great jumping and shouting. Amen. This word is also often associated with the anointing of oil. What kind of, well, before we even go there, what kind of oil do you think it is? Oh, Pastor Stephen, I know, I know. It's the oil of sorrow. Jesus was the man of sorrows, Pastor Stephen, and he's going to put it on us thick. No, 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 no. Psalm 22, he, yes, is the man of sorrows. But the Psalm 22 is what he was going through on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was bearing the sins of the world. So Psalm 22, the man of the messianic, the man of sorrows. Yes, he quoted from Psalm 22 on the cross. But my friends don't think Jesus was walking around all depressed, all sad. Who wants to join me? Come and get on the depression band. No, no, no. He was a man of joy, anointed with the oil of joy. And that is in the Bible. Let's look at it right now. Isaiah 61. Oh, I know you know this chapter. I know you know how it starts out. Verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. See, we get all excited about that. See, you know people get excited when they pronounce God's name like G-A-W-D. <laughs> oh, I feel God, Pastor Stephen. That's good. <laughs> you know somebody is joyful when they say God like that. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. Anointed me with what? Because what Jesus was anointed with is the same thing that the Holy Spirit wants to anoint you with. It's the same anointing because it's the same Holy Spirit. And we see it in verse 3. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. Mm, the oil of joy. Jesus was anointed. It says here says the Messiah was anointed with the oil of joy. Jesus said, this is talking about me. He said, in your, in your presence, this scripture has been fulfilled. He said that when he taught in the synagogue in Nazareth. He's talking about himself. Hallelujah. He was anointed with the oil of joy. The man of sorrows was the man on the cross, bearing the sins of humanity upon himself. Mm -mm. Jesus Want you to be anointed with the same anointing, and that is the oil of joy. He wants you to be happy. Praise God. Amen. Psalm 45, verse 8. We looked at this last week. Excuse me, verse 7. Psalm 45, verse 7. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with what? With what? Pickle juice? Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of joy. 
more than your companions, the oil of joy. Same word used over there in Esther is the word sasone. Mm, mm, mm. Jesus had the oil of joy all over him more than anybody that has ever walked on this planet. And he wants you to have it all over you too. Praise God. Very quickly, we must go to the book of Ephesians chapter five, verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit, and here you have listed the nine fruit. There's nine gifts. Here are the nine fruits, the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the spirit is love. Now we know that's agape love, which is the selfless giving type love that puts others before you. And it loves with the love of God. The fruit of the spirit is love. And the second thing in order of importance, the second thing behind the agape love of God is what? It's joy. And there's a lot of believers that know it's there. They know this scripture, but they don't act like that or believe that in their actual theology. If actually it was based on their theology, they would take joy right out of the Bible. Mm-mm. But God wants to put it right into you. Praise the Lord. The oil of joy. Praise God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such. There is no law. In other words, you can have just as much of it as you want, and you can flow in it just as much as you want. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, some people in their theology, all they do is see Jesus walking around crying. They'll be quick to quote to you, Pastor Stephen, but don't you remember that the shortest verse in the Bible is this, Jesus wept. Yes, but not all the time. I mean, he's not walking around all the time. Peter, Peter, give me another handkerchief. I done wore out another handkerchief crying. Peter, send John to get some more tissues from the store. I'm just wearing out these boxes of tissues. No, no. He wasn't walking around weeping and crying all the time. He had the oil of joy on him. Praise God. You know, there is something about that oil of joy that is miraculous. It is supernatural. And let me see if I can pull this up here. There, I have some information about what Jan Crouch went through. Her and her husband, Paul, founded TBN, the Trinity Broadcasting Network. And, of course, TBN today has grown to be, if I'm correct, the largest Christian network in the world with many uh, subchannels and so forth going all over the world. But here's something that you maybe did not know about Jan Crouch. Now, her and Paul have lived their lives out, completed their journey. They're in heaven. But Jan shared something very difficult that she passed through. Um, it, it says here, some of you, our partners, have heard uh, me tell of, Jan says this, she says, some of you, our partners have heard me tell of the living hell I went through as TBN was being birthed. I could not function as a wife or mother. Jan goes on to say, I totally withdrew from life. I couldn't even laugh or cry. It was a nightmare I had never before experienced. I had even planned my own death. But then, praise the Lord, my miracle came in the middle of the night, and Jesus healed me. Now, there is a video, you can Google it, uh, Jan Crouch, you know, healing testimony, it'll pull it up. But here's what happened. When she was caught in this thick, 
heavy depression that just chained her up. And let me say that the devil really goes after ministers' wives. Uh, he really goes after pastors' wives, and I've, it, it is amazing how I have seen the enemy attack pastors' wives with depression. And now my wife is, she's doing good. She's strong. She's blessed. She's walking in victory. But you always want to pray not only for the man of God, but for the, the wife, because many times the enemy hits the wife, the spouse, so hard with the depression thing. And uh, it, it's, it's a real attack. Well, Jan got hit with that. And she was all wrapped up in depression. And, uh, and people had prayed for her, but she's still stuck. But she said what happened after she had been in that for quite some time. One night she went to bed and she had a dream. And in the dream, she found herself somewhere in Israel. And she saw Jesus by some water. And next to the water was like a forest. It wasn't a, you know, like a whole bunch of trees, but there were some trees and then like a pastoral setting with green grass. And she saw Jesus sitting underneath a tree. And while he was sitting there, some of the, the apostles, there were, of course, 12 of them, they would come to him and bring him information or share something with him. And they would talk to him just for a moment, then they, uh, you know, one at a time, and then one would leave, and then another one would come. And then she said, one of the apostles, and she said she believed that she, know, she knows who that one was, came to him and shared something with the Lord. And when he shared it with the Lord, she, now Janet's seen this in a vision. She's, she's actually being taken back in time. By the way, the, the question, can you time travel? Yes and no. No in the natural, yes, but only in the spirit. You can't alter it, you can't change it, but you can, God can do that. He can show you things like that. So she was taken in the spirit and she was shown a moment in the life of Jesus as he sits underneath this tree and this one apostle comes and talks to him and, sh and shares something. And Jan looked at the Lord's face when the one apostle shared something and the Lord, she said, Jesus leaned back against the tree, lifted his face up and looked at the apostle and said, no, wait a minute, say that again. And the apostle, whatever it was, he said, he said that again. And, it, and she said, he leaned back and laughed and laughed. And then the apostle starts laughing and he laughed and he just laughed. And when she saw Jesus laughing in that joy, not the man of sorrows, when she saw him laughing and laughing like that, Something snapped and broke off of her and she woke up and she sat up in the bed and, and that same laughter was still on. She just kept laughing and laughing and laughing. And Paul woke up and said, honey, you're, you're laughing. I haven't heard you laughing. It's like years. I haven't heard you laughing so long. And she, she, he was like, what happened? And she said, I saw the Lord and, and she was laughing and laughing. And, laughing. and then they both began to laugh because that anointing hit him. And the more she laughed and kept laughing and laughing, the Holy Spirit touched her and Jesus baptized her afresh with the Holy Spirit. And then tongues began to pour out of her and her and Paul prayed in tongues, sitting there in bed straight up, prayed in tongues over one hour nonstop and it never, ever touched her again. May I say this? I have met Christ, the suffering Savior. I've seen, I've seen him on the cross. I can't describe what he went through. I, I, I've seen him. I, can't, I, I lose all words. The agony, the, I can't even, get, I, it's very difficult to go there. But remember, that was on the cross. The rest of his life was not on that cross. 
The rest of his life was preparation for that and ministering to people. And just he had joy on him beyond anything I think we, we even really understand. He had the joy of the Lord all over him. And you can't tell me that you can't have joy and not have humor. Woo-hoo! <laughs> you know, that, that clean, beautiful humor of the Holy Spirit is so wonderful. It was all over the Lord. And that's what set Jan Crouch free and made that joy of the Lord touch you right now. Fresh anointing of joy upon your mind where you realize God doesn't want you gloomy and miserable. That's not God's plan. God wants you full of joy. It is the second gift of the fruit of the spirit. It, it's such a high gift. It only comes behind love. Woo. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Mm, 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 mm. One more time. Very quickly. Let's close with this Psalm 16. Let's go back there. That's our key verse. Psalm 16. Praise the Lord. Psalm 16. Let me catch up with you. Glory to God in the highest. Verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Now, this is what the Holy Spirit showed me. And I want you to let this soak into your spirit. Here's what he showed me. And this is actually what I heard him say. The answer that so many people, he's talking about his people, the answer that so many are seeking is located. The answer is located where the joy is at. Joy is not only the note of victory, but joy reveals the path you are to take. Woo! Praise the Lord. And see, the joy keeps you on the center of that path of life. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. I know you're on the path of salvation. That's why you're watching. You're being taught the word. You're hungry for the things of God. But it's that joy that keeps you in the center. And some people, they think, they think they're determining their decisions by intellectual reasoning and trying to figure things out. Let me tell you that when you have prayed through and you really, really pray and you get to the answer of that prayer, you know how the Lord confirms it? You already know. What is the note that he gives you that lets you know it's done? It's when you hit joy. When you hit the joy glory moment, you know, boom, it's done. God's got it. It's time to rejoice. How do you know? How do you know? Because I've got joy. I just hit the joy zone. That means we're there. God's got it. This thing is this thing. God's got it. Praise God. And I've had that happen. I've sought the Lord for days before in certain things. And the moment I get into the joy, there's a breakthrough. There's a release in my spirit. But I need to tell you this. It's more than just that note of victory for an answered prayer. It's also the thing that you can use as an indicator for the center of the path. The answer you seek is located where the joy is at. It's not only a note of victory, but joy reveals the path you are to take. You know, when my oldest daughter got married, my wife and I uh, were, of course, at the wedding and the bride, her bridesmaid was there and you know, the best man was there for the groom. And so the wedding was beautiful. It was fantastic. Now, of course, my oldest daughter has children and the marriage and the family is just, it's just, um, such a beautiful thing. 
Um, but our our daughter told us one time that the 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 woman that was her bridesmaid, sometime after she had gotten married, the bridesmaid, who was the same age, was sitting at work one day, and she was working at a job that she really wasn't thrilled about, and she was kind of thinking something's not right. And as she sat there at her desk one day, one day suddenly the Holy Spirit touched her with such joy and she began to laugh. And in that joy, in that joy, the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, you're supposed to be married to so-and-so. And it was a guy that she had been dating uh, like a few months earlier, but for whatever reason, it just kind of, they went their separate ways because he moved to a, a different location. And it, so they had, the relationship had just kind of dropped and she, she realized, oh my goodness, Lord, that's it. That man is my husband. He's supposed to be my husband. And so she called him on the phone and said, Hey, how are you doing? He said, Oh, great. I've been thinking about you lately. And I'd really like for us to get back together again. And she said, you know what? I would too. And he proposed to her, I think just like, it was like the next week he proposed to her and they got married. Look, I'm here to tell you that the joy is more than just a note that the prayers answered. That joy is an indicator of God's will for the center of your life. And if you're, if you're like miserable or you're trying to put yourself into some kind of mode that God never called you to be in or to be a person that he's, he never called you to be that, then you need to, you need to find the joy. Hallelujah. I'm talking about the joy of the Lord. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. Praise God. I command all depression on anybody that's watching right now. Loose them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You go free now, child of God. You go free in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Further down the path of life in your walk with the Lord in joy, living your life out to the fullest potential, to the fullness of God's age for your life. May you be blessed as you go in joy. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. Somebody, you're going to know you've got your answer when you hit the joy. Some of you, you've been seeking an answer to something for 10 years. The Lord showed me that earlier today. That for some of you, you have not found the answer. Oh, others have said, oh, this is the answer. And you knew in your spirit, that sounds like good advice, but it's not the answer. And others, others of you have had uh, people try to help you or, you know, stuff like that. But you just know that that's not it. What, Lord, what is it? You'll know it when the answer comes, because when the right answer comes, it'll light you up with joy. It'll light you up with joy. The Jews had light, joy, gladness. Mm, mm, mm. And you will have the same thing. And you'll know it when the joy hits you with that answer. That's the answer. That's the answer. Mm, 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 mm. Lift your hands. Father, bless your people. I thank you. May we walk in a proper theology of joy in Jesus name, a biblical, a biblical eagle eye prophetic view of joy in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. It really is a supernatural force 
of God. Mm-mm. Nobody can take your joy. The only way you can lose your joy is if you lay it down. Mm-mm. Keep your joy. Keep your joy. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For those that would be watching today's program, and you're foreign from this joy, you don't know it, and you want to come into it, you come into it through the one that is the author of it, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, you can know him today. He is ready to receive you as a son, as a daughter. If you would like to receive Christ now, pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, you died on the cross to save me from my sins. I believe that. I believe you rose on the third day and that you're alive right now in heaven. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I give you my life. I turn from my sin. I turn to you. Save me. Wash me with your blood. Write my name in your book of life. Jesus, I take you as my Savior, and I thank you for saving me now. In your name I pray. Amen. And he has heard that prayer. And the Holy Spirit now lives on the inside of you. And the joy, the joy is there. And you know it. Praise God. Hallelujah. You have passed from spiritual death to spiritual life. God bless you. Welcome to the kingdom of God. And I would like to hear from you. Those of you that have just received Christ, email me at contact at stephenbrooks.org. Praise God. Share your testimony with me. Praise the Lord. Church family, let's take Holy Communion together. And if you're watching, even if this is not your set home church, you're still in the body of Christ. Let's take communion together because it is so good for your spirit to do. Grab some unleavened bread. Grab some grape juice. And let's pray. Father, thank you for the bread, the juice. We consecrate it through this prayer. This is now the body and blood of Christ our Savior. Father, as we receive the flesh of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy. Let that anointing be running down our face, dripping oil of joy, running down our face to reach out to those in a world where so many are in the grip of depression, even bound by spirits of depression. Lord, let us pour in the oil of joy to others because we have an overflow, the oil of, of the Spirit. Father, as we receive the flesh of Jesus, we thank you for that anointing. In Jesus' name, we receive. Amen. Let's partake. Father, thank you for the magnificent blood of Jesus shed for the taking away of our sins. Thank you, Father, for the agony that Jesus went through as the, as the man of sorrows, the man of suffering upon the cross. Father, we thank you also for the revelation for the man of joy, anointed with the oil of joy throughout his powerful earthly ministry. And Father, as we receive the blood of Jesus, we thank you for right standing with you through Christ's precious shed blood. We receive it now in Jesus' name with great thanksgiving. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the blood of Jesus.
Praise the Lord. Just lift your hands, begin to speak in other tongues. Father, we thank you for the flowing oil, the oil of joy. Somebody's going to get the answer that they've been wanting and needing for 10 years, and that answer will come encapsulated in holy joy. Thank you, Father. It will come encapsulated with joy. Thank you, Father God. It's like a spiritual vitamin, the answer, encapsulated in joy. Woo! I thank you, Father. I thank you that you are showing them the path of life. I thank you, Father God. And that path, we travel it, anoint it with joy. Joy. Thank you, Father God. Bless your people with heaven's best. Heaven's best. And we give you a shout, a joyful shout, the sacrifice of praise in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Now, some of you are stirred up in the spirit. I will encourage you as I say goodbye. Continue to pray in the spirit and let that anointed Joyful answer come. The answer will come encapsulate it with joy. And yes, you will be happy. And yes, you may even get, get up and jump up and shout. Woo! Praise God. Amen. God bless you. I'll see you back next time.